Meg was off having some fun last night, so she had a planned day off today. I believe Meg left a little bit of her hearing behind at the Journey concert. I believe they were playing the Kohl Center yesterday, and Meg, as you know, big Journey fan. I think this is my favorite of the Journey songs, where they took the midnight train to anywhere. Which begs the question for our Tom King. Tom, have you ever seen an older band, a band whose hits are behind them, and you say, gee, they weren't very good. They probably should have packed it in. Well, I mean, there are some out there that are still touring and they're older. Um, in fact, I, this summer I'm going to see Graham Nash, who's still touring. He's going to be playing up at the Big Top in uh, Bayfield. But, yeah, there are bands that maybe shouldn't still be doing it. But then you look at somebody like the Rolling Stones, who released a new album uh, just, what, a couple of months ago, and it's still high on the charts. And from every indication, everybody thinks it's pretty good. Um, I saw a journey... They call them tribute bands now, and, you know, the Grand Theater and many other places are bringing in a lot of tribute bands these days. There was a fundraiser for the, I think it was for the Marathon County Sheriff's Association at the Grand, I don't know, a few weeks ago, and they had this Journey tribute band from Green Bay. And I'm not, I wasn't a huge Journey fan, but they were really good. They had a singer who could hit all the high notes, and they had a guitar player who was really good. And Right. If you saw Journey last night, I mean, Steve Perry, he's the lead singer on this song and just about everything that Journey did. He's not with the band anymore. Right, but they do have the original guitar player, original bass player, I think, and maybe the keyboard player as well. So a big chunk of the band is still touring. And I believe they were with Toto. Toto is still out there touring as well. So that's a double bill that uh, fans of 80s rock can, uh, can check out. All right, the older band that I saw, and I saw them by accident, was the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones, when I was, it was the summer when I was in college. The Rolling Stones came out with an album, this is in the 90s, called Steel Wheels. It wasn't even yep. a particularly good album. Mm -hmm. But they promoted it with an impromptu afternoon concert at Grand Central Station. <laughs> I'm coming from work, I'm getting on the, and there, there's Mick Jagger, there's the Rolling Stones. I'm sure and, the people who were trying to catch their trains were really happy about the congestion that brought. Right, right. When I'm ready to get home, nothing between me and track 28, please. Yeah. I, I gotta get home. But I stopped for a moment. I actually took a later train home because during rush hour, the commuter trains leave every 15, 20 minutes. And I thought that Mick, there was Mick Jagger. He was right there. I wasn't expecting that. I thought they were good. What we need, 30 years ago. What we need are these older bands to play matinees. I think Jamie Lee Curtis made the announcement a few months ago saying it would be perfect if these older bands could play afternoon concerts for their older audience because let's face it, Everyone who's listening to this show right now, there are great local bands that, that play all the time in central Wisconsin, but they don't start many times until 9 o'clock. And many people who are listening to this show are just not going to go out and see a band at 9 o'clock. And that's assuming everything starts on time. Right. And you know in the world of live music, that doesn't happen all the time. There was a place that had a band uh, that I like, a local band called Dig Deep. They played a 4 o'clock show on Saturday. I was if I was there, man. You got to take advantage of it when, when bands play at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Woke up from my nap, got there at 4, <laughs> and thought, wow, I'm going to be in bed early, too. That's tremendous. <laughs> Indeed. All right, um, I do have a sports thing. Um, Major League Baseball's uniforms are new this year. Tom reads everything about baseball, so Tom knows about this. Big and, controversy. Okay, well, now, look, 
in the 1940s and 50s, our father's baseball, the uniforms were made out of wool. Could you imagine a doubleheader, say, in St. Louis in August, and, and the uniform that you're wearing is made out of wool? Well, even you in would the, die then. Even in the 80s and 90s when they had artificial turf and the, 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 the uniforms were double-knit, that had to be unbearable when it was like 112 degrees on the field. So the new uniforms supposedly are made like out of the material that a golf shirt would be made out of. They're more, more breathable. But so are the pants, and the pants are apparently vented in the backside. So if you wear, say, darker stuff underneath your pants, when you're wearing the home whites, um, the pants are borderline see-through. Right, right. And uh, mm, I would imagine that's going to be a problem, especially for players that don't wear, um, like, athletic shorts underneath. Maybe they just wear their athletic cup and their supporter. That would be a problem. Um, that would be, right, more than you'd want to see when, say, a lefty is coming up to bat. They're, uh, say, that, right. they're, they're saying that the, the players are saying that the uniforms are cheap, that they're not good, and that the league has to do something about it before the regular season starts. So I'm, I'm thinking maybe we'll see uh, some, some changes to those uniforms before opening day. Except, of course, if you are a Nike-signed athlete, there are some players who have contracts with Nike. Nike makes the new uniforms, and they say they're just the best, most comfortable, <laughs> best uniform. Because I believe in the Nike contract, it says you don't say anything bad about Nike products. Do you remember years ago when the, uh, I think it maybe it might have been the first Dream Team went to play at the Olympics, um, or maybe it was the second Dream Team. Anyway, Michael Jordan, of course, huge Nike athlete. But the Olympic basketball teams were outfitted by Adidas, and uh, Jordan refused to wear the Adidas shoes at the Olympics, and that was going to be a major problem. So what they did, um, apparently he wore the Nike shoes, but the swoosh was covered up uh, with t athletic tape or duct tape so that you couldn't see the Nike swoosh on Jordan's shoes. That's how uh, competitive the uh, the shoe market is in basketball circles. I think there is something to the, if you're a Nike athlete, you can't say anything bad about Nike. You remember the up-and-coming NBA star, Zion Williamson. He, he's got to deal with Nike, and there was one game, like his shoe disintegrated. Indeed. He's driving to the basket, and his shoe just, just evaporated like this very lightweight shoe completely fell apart. He's going to the rim barefoot. And they asked him about it after the game. He said, oh, no, no, it's really, it's a great shoe. It's a great, uh, uh, never mind that it fell apart in the middle of the game. It was an accident. It's yeah, great. It, 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 it won't happen again. Yeah. Right. I guess that kid in Taiwan who's doing the stitching, oh, they, they really need to come down on him and we <laughs> tell him that we, we can't have shoes like that. Mm. But after the game, he's asked about, you know, how did your shoe just fall apart? No, 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 it's still really, it's a great shoe. Trust, trust me. So you are predicting that the baseball uniform issue is going to be dealt with between now and opening day. I think they have to. So many people are just uh, unhappy. And it's not just Nike. Uh, I think some of the uniforms are made by this Fanatics uh, company that also makes all of the stuff that you can buy in the uh, pro shops or, or in the uh, stadium shops. If you buy a replica jersey of the Brewers at the Brewers Pro Shop, it's made by Fanatics. Um, and uh, apparently the players say the stuff that they're being given to wear is just as cheap as the stuff you're finding in the uh, in the, uh, the shops for the fans, and they don't like that. Well, they're saying cheaply made because everything in the pro shop costs north of $100. Well, say, that's hey, right. Say, I want so-and-so's jersey or so-and-so's uniform. That's a big-buck purchase at the pro shop at any ballpark. Got to pay those uh, big salaries, you know, and that's one way they do it. One of my best baseball experiences, I'm in Buffalo at the Buffalo Bisons minor league game. 
And the guy who sat next to me worked for Starter. And he says, uh, this is in the 1980s. And this is- when Starter jackets were very big. Right. And he says, we've got the contract for every baseball cap. He said, are there caps that you, he took down my name and address. You, you want a cap? I'll send you a cap. And I said, I want a New York Mets cap. And I want a Syracuse Chiefs minor league baseball. And he sent them to me, and they were great. That was like the best guy ever to sit next to. He was there with his son. We were striking up a conversation during the game. What do you do? Well, I yap away on the radio about things no one cares about. I work for Starter. And I did indeed get my Syracuse Chiefs baseball cap. Chiefs became politically incorrect, so my Syracuse Chiefs cap is probably a collector's item then. Um, They are now the Syracuse Sky Chiefs, which sounds like the company that provides the airline food if you're flying to Europe somewhere. (laughs)